Well, it's a, a blessing to be with you today, and I always usually like to start off with a word of thankfulness. I just look to the Lord that we'll all be blessed by meeting around his word, obviously. My mind's a little bit divided um, since Dad isn't here. Um, he's threatened, more or less, he said, you all have to be good because he's going to try to make it after the surgery. So I'm supposed to uh, make a list of the naughty people. No, I'm just joking. But um, the kindness, Mum always speaks of the kindness of the, of the fellowship. And I'm so very conscious sometimes that I'm so far away. The Lord has called me to a different mission field. So Mum always mentions those people that have picked, the, picked Dad up from surgery and just been so very kind. So I just want to want to thank the fellowship and the brethren. What a miracle the church is, the body, and I'm just so thankful at this time. And also, um, I apologise, I, I wasn't aware of the Lavington schedule and you've got the carol service and I've nicked all the Christmas verses past. <laughs> oh, well, that's fantastic. I'm glad that I've, I've left you a little something. So I, I apologise for that, but I'm so thankful to the Lord to his goodness. Um, may he just guide us all through his word and, and perhaps even uh, together may we reach more love and a deeper appreciation and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ even this morning. Shall we pray? Father, our heart just pours out in gratitude that you've gathered us here together. And once again, as we consider the body, you have gathered us all from different backgrounds and you have united us in Jesus Christ and you have a word for each of us regardless of who we are even this morning. Why may we hear your voice very, very clearly, each and every one of us, Father. Of course we pray for Dad, but my heart also goes out this morning to anyone who is outside of a personal saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, any dear un unsaved friend, Father, may they, may they see their greatest need from the Bible even this morning. Lord, please see fit to bless every aspect. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for its truth. We thank you for its light. We thank you for its inerrancy. May it truly speak to our hearts this morning. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Christmas, greatest gift. I don't know whether you've ever had the experience of really not seeing things like going into the bedroom or the kitchen or something that you're very familiar with and in a way you don't really see it because you've seen it before, you've seen it a million times, but if there's something new, for example, something, someone plunked something down on a cupboard somewhere, you immediately look at that thing. It's like, what is this, what is this thing? You, you really see it. And I fear that even as we look at Christmas, that we don't really see it because it is so familiar to us. And of course, the world has gone out of its way, hasn't it, to make Christmas about, it seems, about everything other than really what it should be about. Christmas' greatest gift, it is very refreshing to see kids at Christmas. Jesus loved the little children and it was significant because at the time children were looked down upon and frowned upon by society 
And yet Jesus loved the good little children. And it's very refreshing to see kids at Christmas. They know what's up. They know that all that tinsel and all that packaging and all those fancy ribbons, that's not what it's all about. You know, I've never had kids myself, but to see my nephews and nieces descend upon their kids like a, uh, upon their gifts like a plague of locusts, that is refreshing. The packaging goes everywhere and it's all about the gift. And really our focus even now should be on Christmas's greatest gift. And I'm going to try, even though it's a little bit like trying to scoop up the Pacific Ocean in a bucket, but I'm going to try to, at least in some part, impose upon you why the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest gift of all. And I'm going to go somewhere where I'm pretty sure, Pastor, you're not going to go this evening. Let's go to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. And what Exodus 25 is, is talking about in verses 10 to 22, these are God's instructions as they're building the tabernacle and, and building some of the furniture. And this actually refers to the Ark of the Covenant. Now that word Ark is used famously twice in the Old Testament, one to refer to something somewhat bigger than the Ark of the Covenant, that is the Ark of Safety. I'm sorry I don't like the reference Noah's Ark because it's really God's Ark. It's a picture of Christ, it's a picture of salvation, it's a picture of God's mercy and this Ark also is a picture of God's mercy. Now, in verse 10, we see, first of all, that the ark is to be made of wood. We see the dimensions thereof. And verse 11, we also see that it's overlaid with pure gold. So we have two interesting materials. We have something that is very terrestrial or very earthy, as you will, with wood combined with gold, which speaks to me of both the humanity and deity of the Lord Jesus Christ and I and this is something wonderful to me now this is not what we're looking at but in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 I want to talk about that very briefly before we go on with this brother Bernie can you tell me what the first four words of the Bible are Yeah, yeah, that's what I was after. In the beginning, God. Now, that word in the original language is very interesting. Elohim. The Hebrew can be quite precise because it has a word for singular, like me or, or Gavin, okay, the singular. Elohim is not singular. They also have a, another word for jewel or two, and Elohim is not dual. The word Elohim means is plural in its sense. In the beginning, the Father made the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, the Spirit made the heavens and earth. And significantly to us in the beginning, the Son made the heavens and the earth. And, the, and yet this creator, God, made himself man perfect man who hungered who thirsted 
who got tired, who bled, who died. This was the creator God made flesh and dwelt amongst us for us. But also let's not forget the gold. Let's not forget the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, which some people seek to diminish. When he silenced the sea of Galilee, the disciples worshipped him and said, what manner of man is this? When Thomas that initially doubted saw the Lord before him and the Lord said, feel Thomas, he responded, my Lord and my God. He said before the religious leaders and the Jews, and sometimes once again it's diluted in the English, but he said, I verily say unto you before Abraham was, I am. The very name of God that we see in Exodus. And of course there are doubters, but they didn't doubt. They knew exactly what he was talking about. They wanted to stone him. Jesus Christ perfectly man and perfectly God came to earth on us let uh, for us let's just move on a little bit I want to pay some attention to what we see in verse 18 and thou shalt make two cherubims of gold of beaten work thou shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat the mercy seat is on the top of the ark and I'll get back get to that in a moment and make one cherub on the one end and the other cherub on the other end. And verse 20, And the cherubim shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and their faces shall look to one another, and toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. It is certainly no accident when we read in Luke chapter 2 that the angels were very much involved, very much engaged, very much interested in the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ because we see here the cherubims, if you will, looking at this mercy seat. It is said in 1 Peter, for Peter tells us that the prophets and the angels all looked intently into God's plan of salvation. As as far as it's all concerned, the angels are very interested. The cherubims are looking upon the top of the ark, which is interestingly called the mercy seat. It's of tremendous interest to the prophets of old. It's tremendous interest to angelic beings. The question is, can you see it now? Is it of tremendous interest to you? The angels were interested. The angels rejoiced. May you see Christmas's greatest gift even now. Now, this mercy seat, it's very interesting. We looked at the wood. We looked at the gold. But there's another element to be added, and that was blood. That might surprise you, friend. But it does tell us in Leviticus 16 that upon the mercy seat, there was blood applied. Right through the Bible, you see, for any sacrifice, any offering to actually be efficacious or effective as far as sin is concerned, three elements had to be satisfied. Number one, it all had to be done by God. Number two, 
an innocent substitute had to be involved, the just for the unjust, if you will. Hence the animals that we see in the Mosaic law. And thirdly, blood had to be shed. Blood was applied at the mercy seat. And what was the effect of all that? Look at verse 22 of Genesis 25. And there I will meet with thee. This is God speaking. There I will meet with thee and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat. My greatest, the greatest hymn ever for me, my favourite, which also happens to be a Christmas carol, and I hate when you go into the supermarkets and you just hear the music, you know, when you're going into the deep freeze, trying to get out your chicken and you hear all, all the words, uh, the music without the words. How annoying is that? Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. God will meet with us at the mercy seat, at the cross. God can commune with us through the cross. The birth, the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is all God's greatest gift. Can you see it? Today, I know most of this is familiar to you, but do you really see it? Even now, even today, who is it for? Some gifts are for, for certain people. I've obviously got no interest in perfume or anything like that. Some gifts are very specific for other people. Who is this gift for? Well, we looked at Matthew chapter 2 and we looked at Luke chapter 2 and I, I honestly believe that what the Lord is doing here is bringing together two groups to Christ even though they wouldn't have physically met but two groups that are on absolute opposite sides if you like of the social spectrum two groups that would have had nothing in common except for Christ if I had Two blackboards, one here and one here. Who remembers blackboards? I'm just showing my age, aren't I? Oh, thank you very much, my fellow geriatrics. I appreciate that. <laughs> Two blackboards. We could fill both these blackboards this morning with the differences between the shepherds and the magi, the shepherds of the wise men. Near, far, Jew, Gentile, lowly, celebrities you might know and let's friends can we reject the thought about the three wise men because we read in Matthew that when they came to Jerusalem everyone was paying attention to them including Herod himself this was a mighty camel train with many many people they became instant celebrities they became Justin Bieber bad example I know okay but everybody knew about these men. And then you had the lowly shepherds. Bethlehem was absolutely jumping at the time. All the sons of Bethlehem had to return for this census. It, it makes me wonder what would happen to my hometown of Colkean if they called all the, all the kids back, all the guys that went to uni, all the guys that married. How could 11, a town of 1,400 people support all these people? So they could hear 
the sound they could hear. It seems a party going on to which they were not invited. To make things worse, according to the traditions of the religious men at the time, they considered shepherds while they were doing their job to be ceremonially unclean. They put barriers in front of these men to even go to the temple and worship. These were truly rejected men. And yet there were thousands of priests that were in Israel at the time and God appeared to these men. Jew, Gentile, near, far, the meek, the great, the rich, the poor. I could go on and on about this, but the point is, friends, that you need to see yourself in there somewhere. The point is that when the Lord Jesus Christ came as born of a virgin, and of course he was born to die, and when he bled and died and suffered upon the cross, it was for you. You are in that spectrum somewhere. You are between those two blackboards the Lord Jesus Christ died for you the cricketer Brian Booth who was at one stage the captain of the Australian cricket team when he was saved he what really nailed it home for him is when the person that was witnessing to him uh, turned to John chapter 3 verse 16 and personalised it for God so loved Brian Booth that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved Gavin Dunn, Gavin Jekyll, John McConnell, whoever it happens to be. Can you see it? That the, the gospel unites Magi, highly educated men, with men that would have had no education to speak of. Okay, I love my dad and I'm glad he's not here, but... He's a shepherd and he left school at year nine. But that really doesn't matter. The Lord Jesus Christ died for the wise, died for the foolish. He died for you, friend. The gospel is for you. How is the greatest gift attained? Now, we need to be careful here, friends, because religion teaches us that we need to be like the wise men. We need to bring our best. We need to bring something to earn salvation. Bring your gold, bring your frankincense, bring your myrrh. That's what religion teaches. That's what Cain believed. And you, you, most of you know what happened to him. But once again, God was very careful in the fact that he brought men with gifts to the Saviour. But what did the shepherds have? There was absolutely no record, no account of them bringing anything as far as i can tell for all the differences that we see there's only three similarities that that can be made between the wise men and the shepherds and i wish to talk about too how did they attain salvation these great magi who were now no doubt advisors to great pagan kings like we see in Nebuchadnezzar's court in Daniel chapter 2. How did they attain salvation? How did the shepherds attain salvation? Friends, they saw and they came. 
They saw the angels. They saw the star. And all they did is respond to that. And they came and they saw the Saviour. We see in John chapter 1 a phrase repeated. Two men came up to Jesus very early in in the ministry. And they said, Master, Rabbi, where dwellest thou? What was Christ's response? Come and see. Later on in the chapter, it's repeated. Philip comes up to Nathaniel, says, I believe I found the Messiah. Nathaniel has some doubts. Philip's response is just, come and see. Come and see. That's the gospel message that I tell my Iwana kids. I just say, invite, be friendly. Just tell them to come and see. It's as simple as that. It's religion that makes it all complicated. You want Christmas's greatest gift even now? Come. As it is written in the book of Numbers, the people were sinning. They were bitten by fiery serpents. They were dying. And Moses didn't look at them and say, well, you guys are going to have to just clean up your act. You're going to have to do better. No, the brass serpent went up on the pole and Moses said to them, look and live. Look to Jesus and live. You don't have to bring any gifts, my friend. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Friends, faith, salvation simply comes by believing. Admitting that Christ, if Christ died for sinners, came for sinners then, you must admit that you are numbered amongst them. You are somewhere between these two hypothetical blackboards and all you have to do is believe. And then once again, at Christmas time, I don't have to accentuate too heavily the point, kids know what to do with gifts. They grab it. They take it. Call upon the greatest gift of Christmas even now. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing for you to do, nothing for you to buy. Put those credit cards away. Accept Christmas's greatest gift even now. How do I know I have it? How do I know I have it? Now it is written in, in the word that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. But let's not get too tangled up about that. Let's not think that you have to be good to be saved. No, all you have to do is come. But it is interesting that after the Magi actually saw the Saviour and met with the Saviour, they are warned in a dream not to go back to Herod because that would have been a natural thing for them to do since they would have been serving some pagan king as a top-ranking advisor. But we, we do see... And let's turn to our Bible reading. Since we read it, we should look at it. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. We see in verse 11, 
they meet with the, the child. And then in verse 12, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. They now travelled a different way. I'm sure that life, even as they returned to their pagan country, for them now was very, very different. And folks, good works does not save a person, but good works are a sign of life that we are indeed in Christ. It's sanctification, it's spiritual growth, it's simply knowing our Saviour more day by day, growing to be more like him day by day. I don't know whether you've had the experience of seeing a baby and then a few years later you see the same child and they're just like Dad. You're blown away. It's mini-me. It's amazing. But, of course, sanctification is about finding the Saviour. That's not what, save, not what saves, but surely... After truly meeting with Christ, surely we depart from that experience travelling another way, glorifying God. It seems as though that's exactly what the Magi did. For the shepherds, they left rejoicing and praising in everything give thanks. That's something we can do in tough situations. Lift up your voice. Rejoice. Because really now, the only thing that the Magi and the shepherds had in common was joy. Friends, do you have joy? Thinking about the rich, and I admire this Magi in the fact that even though they were very wealthy men, they knew that they were missing something in their life. And I remember in an interview with broadcaster Philip Adams, he said that once he had, was having dinner with Kerry Packer, and Kerry Packer actually asked him to explain what a black hole was. And in his mind, Philip Adams said, oh, all right, here we go. But he, he gave it a shot. He was trying to explain. In the middle of the conversation, Kerry Packer gestured to his own heart and said, because that's what I've got right here, mate. i got a black hole right here. Friends, do you have joy? Regardless of how different these people are, they both left the Saviour with joy. Joy through the storm. Joy in the fiery furnace of trial and temptation. Joy through the valley of the shadow of death itself. Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart when the king is in residence there. Let it fly in the sky. Let the whole world know that the king is in res residence there. I can say this with confidence to any unsaved friend that's listening, regardless of your background, if you feel that there is a black hole in your life, this is the Christ-shaped hole that only he can fill. We pray that by faith you will fill that hole. He's willing the price has been paid. The gift is available even now. Would you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal saviour from sin even today? When should I receive it? I think it's very interesting that even though I believe these Magi were numerous, they did offer to the Lord three gifts. And this is how we know they had a high lofty position 
all these gifts were expensive. Now, the myrrh was used in burial during Bible times. You can appreciate in a hot climate, that sort of uh, ointment or perfume was very valuable when dealing with the dead. And it spoke of, of course, Christ's death, his past ministry to us. Christ died once for all. He was a prophet. He suffered the fate, unfortunately, most of the prophets. He was... He spoke the truth, he was rejected, and of course, ultimately, he was killed. Christ is our past prophet. Frankincense, of course, was used in worship in the temple, very expensive, very valuable. It speaks of Christ's current ministry to us as our great high priest. Even this morning, he makes intercession for his people. But we also know that God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance, unsaved friend. The Lord, the Spirit is very much at work. The Lord wants you to be saved even today. But of course, the gold, which of course we all fixate on, we all pay attention to, the gold talks about our coming King. He is coming. He will reign physically on the earth. He will come to Jerusalem. And before I say anything else, turn to Psalm 2. May we all turn to Psalm 2, please, as we close. And an old pastor used to say that the Bible is as current as tomorrow's newspaper. And as we see what's going on in Gaza right now, Psalm 2 is today's news, it's tomorrow's news, because it opens up and says, Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. And we see in these verse 3 verses, those that are conspiring against God and those that are conspiring against Israel. And then in verse 4, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. It's a very simple and short verse, verse verse 5. But think about the wrath of God. Think about the sore displeasure that one day will come upon the lost and the enemies of God. Verse 6. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. The Lord is coming. The King is coming. And I don't have to work too hard with the way that the world is to say that the Lord is coming soon. Be in time. The greatest gift, the greatest offer is available to you right now. But we must be in time. Can you see even now? Can the Lord open everybody's eyes to see that the king is coming and that he's coming soon? And, and the psalm continues in exactly the same theme. It says, be wise now, therefore, are you kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. I just want you to know, friends, that the king is coming. For some he will vex in his sore displeasure. Others will be kings and priests and shall reign upon the earth. In verse 11 we read, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. 
And really, this is what Christmas should all be, should be like for us. And the fact that, yes, we rejoice, but our lives should reflect the fact that the Lord is coming. And there will be those that will be vexed in his sore displeasure. Even as we celebrate, even as we be happy in Christmas, it's only right that we're happy in Christmas. Have yourself an extra turkey leg, Brother Bernie. I'll give you permission. Tell the missus it's all good. Tell her to come and talk to me. We can do that, but we also don't party like the world parties. We rejoice with trembling. One of the first verses I ever memorised in Micah 6.8, He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of, of thee, the children of God, but to live justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. May at this Christmas time we be a walking testimony as to what Christmas is all about. The psalm concludes with verse 12, Kiss the son lest he be angry. Will you kiss the son by faith, even today? Lest you die in your sins, lest you die in the state that God did everything to redeem you from by faith. Kiss the son today, lest he be angry and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. God is not slack as some men count slackness. Accept the gift of eternal life today. And of course, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. How blessed are we. God contracted in a span, incomprehensibly made man, blood sprinkled upon the very mercy seat with cherubims looking on in absolute stupefied amazement. How can it be? And friends, it's yours even today by a simple act of faith for by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves lest lot of works lest any man should boast it is the gift of God will you accept that gift today may the children of God rejoice with trembling during this Christmas time may a new name be written down in glory by simply coming coming and seeing looking and living may that the case for be the case for someone here someone online for someone here would love to talk to you M may you kiss the sun lest he be angry even today thank you pastor